look, this is the Yes I Rent Boys coming to you with a brand new podcast, The Rental Property Hangover. Hope you like our new logo because uh, we just did it. We just did it before the show and we're proud of it. So this is Joe Watkins and Travis Castle coming to you, and this is going to be a little different. We are the uh, the famous Big Truths of Small Business uh, host. and where, that, can, where can I find that at? That's at Spotify, Apple, Google, YesIRent.com, Google, YouTube. YouTube's uh, soon. Got a couple episodes going to YouTube. So we're the Yes I Rent boys. We... Uh, we are the uh, the proud owners of Yes I Rent Property Management. That uh, by popular demand, we have been asked to talk about property management. <laughs> yes, on video. Yes, who have, who's asked us? Well, it's clients. It's people I run into. It's our marketing guy. It's it's everybody wants to know about property, property management. management. We're tired of talking about. It. We talk about it all the time. Who Travis. knew? Who knew property but management? The reality is, is is there's a lot to learn, right. and, and we got the goodies. And so today is our very first. Rental property hangover. Well, we would, we'd be remiss not to talk about the name because I'm kind of in love with the name. All right, let's a little do it. Bit. Rental property hangover. So I talk to people every month and they are, uh, man, they're getting ready to close on this property. Joe, I got this property. It's closing next Friday. I think I need a property manager. Uh, you know, there's a few things wrong with it, but for the most part, it's pretty much ready to go. Uh, so I'm closing next Friday. Can you help me out? Blah, blah. All right. Next Friday comes and goes. Yeah, usually next Friday turns into three more Fridays and it gets closed. Right. But it's done. It's done. Party. Party. I got it now. I'm about to make a ton of money. Make some money, man. I've been on bigger pockets. I've been, I've been on YouTube following all these guys. I got this property and we come see the property. We take a look at the property and we start kind of digging deep in the property and start realizing a few things. One of which is typically whoever sold this investor, usually out of state, frankly, but whoever sold this investor the property might have fibbed a little bit on the comps and what you could get for in rent. Is that, does that sound familiar to you? Oh, does that ever happen? Listen, uh, it's par for the course, and, and it's really why we feel like that this is the, the precursor. This shows the precursor to buying rental property. If you already own it, great. You need to listen to the show too, but if you haven't uh, bought one yet, this is the precursor because it's all about: does it work in property management? Does does the tenant is the tenant going to pay their rent? Is what are all the aspects of making a successful investment? Yes, the purchase is important, but then you own it for twenty years. I mean the the, the spreadsheet. You know, I thought we talk about spreadsheets got to make sense. Well, the spreadsheet can make a lot of sense. If everything goes absolutely perfect, if you move in the perfect tenant, they pay rent on time, and there's no maintenance issues, then all of a sudden, yeah, that spreadsheet, that is, come to find out that is 14% return on this property. That's awesome. But, you know, we all know, anybody that's invested knows that that's not, you know, that's not how it works. So thus the hangover. You wake up the, the, the morning after, and you realize, oh, no, I got to put another Ten thousand dollars into this property. Oh no, this property is not going to rent for fifteen hundred a month. It's it's thirteen hundred, and you begin to realize there was some due diligence that was missed. And the due diligence is 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 a it's a whole business that there's no way you can learn overnight. Right. Um, and so here we are here to make your investment do better. 
Well, so I would say this about the property hangover and kind of the spirit of this show. Here's the thing that I tell investors about who, who've made mistakes, frankly, who, who we kind of have to give the hard truth, the big truth, if you will, to, is with buy and hold real estate, you can kind of recover from this mistake. You can turn the property that's a little bumpy, the one that, uh, you know, come to find out it's not going to rent for what you thought it would rent for over time. You got a lot of leverage when you're holding the property that you don't have when you're trying to flip the property. If you may, if you have a property hangover on a flip, mm. well, now you might be going somewhere else and grabbing some money to get out of this thing. But buy and hold, we can get you out of it. That's the good news. That's definitely the case. And so getting into what this particular episode is going to be about, we're going to keep it simple. Talk about one of the most important things that you could possibly do in owning a rental property. And that's uh, screening mm. the tenant. Screening. And, and we're going to be very focused in the topic of this show. So there are many other things that could help qualify or, or produce a, a better tenant. You could talk about the property, the area, the, the rent amount, all kinds of things. We're not going to talk about all that. This show is going to be specifically what should you be doing when you are screening an applicant? That's right. Yeah. That we're gonna, I've got the expert here. Well, we're, we're, we're going to pick up from just that. Well, I've got application or applications in front of me, you know, generally speaking, we're in a pretty good market. You know, we should be, we should be discussing applications, not an application. So that, that might be the first thing that's not really on our bullet points here. But if you find yourself with properties on the market, 30 days, you got one application, you know, that's the, this is kind of a, a different conversation where, where I'm at now is we've got application or applications and we're going to start going, okay, is this person am I looking at an application and how do I know to, to the degree of confidence that we can have that I'm going to move this person in the property. They're going to pay rent on time. They're going to take care of my property. They're going to return it back in reasonable condition, right? To me, that's, that's a win. And that's what we're discussing here. So let's get right into let's it. Kick what, it what's, off. what's the number one thing well, the, that the, you're looking at? The easy thing. And the thing that we can get kind of uh, the cool part is we can get, experts involved in this we can get uh you know historical analysis involved in this outside of us how do we do that it's the credit report look when, when i first got involved with this i got an introduction into uh what i believe to be really solid real estate investing 101 which is you know it's popular to say joe i don't really go by the credit i like to look at everything I don't really go by the credit report. Well, credit report can lie to you. You know, it can. You can one, one guy can have a low score and be a great tenant. Hey, look, all that's true. I, I don't dispute that that is true. But here's what I know is true: credit scores are predictive of payment, uh, of, of timely payments, and of the ability of the person that's trying to get credit to pay. That's why the whole financial world uses credit reports. Yeah, it's a it's a complex uh, algorithms that help to produce these scores. And, and they are trying to predict credit worthiness, someone's ability to pay consistently. And, you know, hey, I've never had credit before, uh, tra uh, Travis, and I want to get a property. I don't have anything bad on my credit. Well, great. Your credit score low, and it still means we don't have anything to predict your ability to pay. Sure. So not having bad is not as good as having good. So... Credit report is very important, and, and there's been a lot of debates on, you know, what the credit score should be. I, I think that we can say that, that per market it may change. Uh, it may change 
based on uh, low-income, high-income areas. Uh, if you've got a, a, a property that's um, going to rent for $5,000 a month, I don't know, maybe, maybe the credit score needs to be higher because you're, you're at, the damage that can occur in that property is way more. The cost that ensue, and so your 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 risk tolerance is going to have a little bit to do with your credit score here. But but it's a big predictor. I mean, what would you tell people as uh, as a baseline uh, of, of of what they should be thinking about as a baseline on credit score? And then what do you look beyond that credit score well, inside I, that credit report? I would say one of the things you just mentioned is what you see um, mortgage companies do. So I've got a mortgage background, kind of trained in credit in. in the mortgage business. Now, people would say, well, that was back in the day when anybody could get a loan. Back in the real estate boom, I was in the mortgage business 2001, 2006 or so. So, you know, I mean, the, the, the issue back then wasn't so much um, poor underwriting standards. It was more valuation issues. I mean, the 740 credit score in 2005 was going was gonna to pay the bills for the most part. Uh, the issue wasn't around that. It was around uh, other, other types of mortgages and more real estate valuation, in my opinion. Uh, but how, how do how do mortgage companies look at this? Sure enough, I mean, they they give you better interest rates with the higher credit score. You can put less money down with a higher credit score. So the top financial institutions in the world will go by just that. So when you say what should the credit score be, I don't know. How good is your house, right? I mean, what market are you in? To your point, how many? What's the demand, right? Generally speaking, and this is a wild generalization based on all these different. Mm-hmm. versions of what we're talking about. But uh, right now in the mortgage industry, if you have a 640 credit score and you have, you know, say 3% down, and I'm speaking broadly here, you can get an FHA mortgage. You know, there's lots of details there, but that's kind of the threshold, right? Six, 640 credit score, 3% down. Anybody that owns rental property knows that's kind of our competition is can this person go buy a house? You know, so who, who, are, who are we dealing with here for the most part, there's situations. It's 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 changing. There's it's, a lot of a lot of people that have mobile jobs that are situation. They're renting that, that, that just need a place to live for a couple of years. Absolutely. In fact, I've told somebody today that it's a bad idea to go buy a house right now in this market if you're only going to be there for a couple of years because you're buying it at the top of the market. You've got no no investable return that's going to come back. In fact, you're going to pay for closing costs and. And, and things you'll never recover. That's right. And so when you sell it, you're going to pay commissions. So right now, if you're going to be somewhere for a year, you're in a high market, at least Atlanta is. Yep. And you're going to be here for two years, you probably shouldn't buy. It's dangerous. You probably should go rent. So you, you can yeah. find some great tenants. So yeah. there are other reasons, um, but but we are competing with the mortgage industry and in that that people that are going to be somewhere for a while may may buy. To, to, to me, 600 on the credit score is, the kind, of, is kind of the above and below. If, if you're below 600 you need to be probably slightly below 600. If you're above 600, if you're 620, 630, then we're, you're pushed into the category where we're definitely looking at some accounts on your credit report that are really good payment history, right? So uh, there's lots of things that go into that score and that model, be flexible, but you know, are you renting to a guy that's got a 525 credit score? Those types of credit scores generally almost have no positive credit history to go off of. Yeah, and, and, and I'll tell you that, that in, let's just don't look at the credit score. Let's look at the credit report. Um, if, if there is a 590 or 600, or maybe, maybe we're looking for a 700 because of the particular property, but we, could, we, we roll in a 640, and uh, we look at the report, and, and the, 
the the only thing that's causing a problem is uh, uh, can be very well summed up by a divorce that occurred. It was a it was a moment in time. It yep. wasn't recurring behavior. Yep. It was something that, that could be documented. It was a moment in time that caused a major financial crisis. There was great history before, and there's been great history after. I can work with that. Because I'm looking, ultimately, when I'm trying to uh, screen a tenant, we're looking for that they can afford it. We're also looking for character. Can and you know, for character. The, the mortgage industry handles this, or at least they used to, through credit explanation letters. And we ask tenants for that all the time, which is what Joe's describing. I mean... I can see you had great credit history. Everything went great, and bam! Looks like you know January of 2017. I mean, you quit paying on everything here. Looks like it's kind of picked back up, and looks like so. So we we ask, hey, give me that. There, there's a story. Tell me the story. Yeah, so I, you take story. that story. You kind of you can put it together and make it make sense. But anyway, all that goes to say is that uh, credit history matters. Yeah, don't move somebody in without checking a credit score. It, You've done yourself a big disservice and you can get to it i mean you can get to their yeah, credit history in a done. variety of ways what's though. number two so number two is look i mean again this is good old-fashioned nuts and, and bolts of of uh, real estate here income do they make enough money and this is something that i would say you know depending on who the real estate investor is take yourself out of it you know we're talking the general public yeah let me, let me give them a little right. little rundown on income so a general rule of thumb is three times the rent is sort of a baseline income amount we're looking for. Sure. That's general. I, I've heard some that will go two and a half in some cases. Some need to go three and a half. Uh, and you're, and you're some, speaking monthly, to be clear. So if monthly. I got a $1,000 rental, I'm looking for a $3,000 gross income. That's right. And so that's a general baseline. But here's the other things that we dig into. We dig into... What actually are your expenses? And, and by the way, we can we can figure that out by looking at the credit report. We we can see that there's a debt on this credit card, and there's a auto loan payment over here, and we we're able to start building a, a sort of a mini financial statement for this tenant. And so they may make four times the rental amount in a month, but they've got a Mercedes payment at eight hundred dollars. They got they they. They co-sign for their kid at $500 over here, and they've got a credit card with $20,000 in debt, and that's a minimum payment of, of $349 a month. And we start adding this stuff in to get a, to get a mini P&L, and then we know basic life expenses that we can, that we can use uh, for utility bills and, 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 and um, groceries and those kind of things. And you start going, wait a minute. Even at four times the rent, these people can't afford the, 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 the rent. And so – you know that that that's a that's a baseline of how we would run and look at in, income. It needs to be at three times. Now, somebody's got yeah, all things being equal. Somebody's at three times and somebody's at five times. I want the guy with five times the rent. It's got more margin. I mean, I like cash flow in every way, including you know our tenants. But it's all margin. T today's society, I think it's got you know you're talking about a debt to income ratio is what you're talking about. So. What's happened today, man, I tell you what, corporate America has got really good at sneaking in new debts into our life that used to not exist. You know, back when I did mortgages, we didn't have to deal with Netflix and YouTube Premium and 
<laughs> all the app, you know, stuff that's out there. I mean, phone and internet, cell and, phone and, and cable and, and, and Netflix is, is $300 a month. I mean, really before you pay your car insurance for, I mean, I just you can go on at, at, at nauseum here. Um, but that's real stuff. You got to factor it in. And, and to Joe's point, I mean, the nice big paycheck, the instinct of a lot of guys, especially, uh, you know, private landlords who are doing the screening themselves, you get enamored. It's a good job. This guy works for a big company. He makes good money. Boy, I feel better. I'd take that for rent sign out of the yard and quit coming over here on Saturdays and showing this property. And so, the, and so you, you want to pull that trigger. Do that math. Do that. Do the math. math. Uh, two incomes, uh, I think, is always helpful. You can have one, one income, uh, especially if it's a, a tight three times the rent approval. Mm-hmm. And you've got uh, somebody gets sick, got to be out of work. They get paid by the hour. Sure. They don't make any income. Having that second income is helpful. Again, if you're making, uh, you know, if you're making uh, uh, two incomes there, typically that's going to push you over. I would not do two incomes at three times the rent. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think when you start putting two incomes in there, you got to push that number up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, you got you, you got more to consider there. Um, you got more costs. You, you got more living expenses yeah. for one. Uh, well, and you better, along with the income conversation, look at the type of job. I mean, we're living right now in the middle of a pandemic, right? So it's it's altered the way that, you know, we view everything. And one of the one of the things we look at here, too, is, uh, you know, is, is this. Now, look, we're talking, we've been a number of months into this. At this point, we can look back and see what jobs have survived. You know, who's, some jobs are benefiting. You know, if you're, if you're delivering packages for Amazon, you got all the work. Yeah, you we, want right we need now. to be looking at that. I mean, listen, uh, there's some things that, that that we cannot discriminate on in terms of, of fair housing, and one of those is not what job role you have. We can discriminate based on job roles. Well, we've always done it. I mean, if you, you just know? started your new business last month and you you had a great month and you're using that for income, that's not income. There's no history no, around that's, that. That's you know? that's a there's no history there. And, and that actually leads us to, I don't even think it's on your list as the three basics here, but that, that rolls right on into employment verification. Mm-hmm. So, okay, you make, so you say, you make three times the, the rent mm-hmm. in a month. Well, what are you doing to verify that, Travis? Well, mm. I tell you what, you, 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 you better be batching up phone numbers and websites with pay stubs. You, you better be doing some type of verification process. I can tell you this. Uh, in, in 2020, you can absolutely download, um, go to websites and download pay stubs, put in the dollar amount, put in the company. You can create whatever you want. Create whatever you want. There's actually folks out there that will do. Now Now we're, we're about to bleed over into this. It's the same conversation. So so number three, before I get uh, Well, I mean, I think we need to, this, 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 this employment verification is a big deal. Well, well they go together here because okay. I'm going to, n- number three, I'm going to talk about is rental history. We'll, we'll deal with this first, but. In terms of, of employment verification and rental history, this is where we see the fraud uh, in our applications, right? So uh, folks know, hey, look, if I haven't been on the job long or if I don't make enough money, maybe I need to figure out a way to fudge a little bit on the income, okay? So that's what you're speaking about. How do we verify this? How do we see that they actually work there? Sure it would be nice to actually speak to the employer or, or get on the, the job verification. If it's a big company, they got that job verification hotline going on there. Sure would be nice to make sure that this company exists. We've run background checks before and we figure out that we, we went to this website and nothing's there. No, so maybe, matches we should, up. maybe we should dig deeper. It's, it's just one of the biggest. And, and listen, it is the individual landlord that manages their own house that they're targeting. 
Oh, sure. It's an easy target. They, they know that, that, that professional property management companies are catching this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an easy target. But but 80% of the people out there, that's what we're talking to. We're trying to give the information. 80% of the people out there manage their own rental property. That's right. And in, in the, the business of the day, and in, 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 I, I don't want to visit the property more than once or twice, we just start skipping steps. I mean, we try to make something true that's not true. We don't do the work behind it. And I get it. It's, it's time and, and energy and effort. But like anything, it's a good preparation of the walls that produces a great paint job it's not the paint mm. and so you got to do the preparation of the walls here you got to slow uh, there, there's parts of life where you slow down because it's important this is it and if you've got a rental property verifying this information so you need to slow down so I've, i own several rental properties and uh i just would rather it sit vacant and rot than have the wrong tenant in the property. The wrong tenant in the property, yeah. I, I, just, I just would. I've, I've been there, done that. You're in COVID-19 days too, by the way. Mm. You can't get people out because mm. court systems are all backed up. You know, the CARES Act is preventing evictions. They're talking about possibly extending this. I mean, this is bad for landlords. So this is, this is when you got to really understand the fundamentals and execute on the fundamentals of tenant screening. If you've got a vacant property, in fact, right now you have, you have a huge advantage because again, you get to see the history of uh, the income for the prospective tenants here. How have they handled dealing with this new environment that we're, we're in? Whereas, you know, if the tenant was already there, you just, you're dealing with whatever the tenant's telling you is going on uh, with their work history. So no, I agree. I, I, I think uh, what's going on on the, uh, on the income side of it has to be verified and has to be looked at uh, with, suspicion until kind of proven uh right i guess is how i would i would look at that so let's let's go to the area where that is here it is if we had any dun 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 is there any version of the, the horror we've got the horror you want a dun dun like i want a, like, scary or i want something frightening all right here we go. how about this not that no, one no 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 oh, i'll take that all right okay so that's the, now we're sufficiently uh, have have that anxiety running through our bodies. Let's talk about rental history for a minute. Mm. Joe, I've got perfect rental history. You do, sir. I have, uh, I mean, I've been where I've been now for five years. Um, I've made every payment on time. In fact, I prepay a lot. Um, and uh, so I've put that on the application here. How does that make you feel as a landlord here? And I've got perfect rental history. And it just sounds really good, Travis. Let's just, can I, I give you, I got the deposit right now, ready to move in tomorrow. Listen, you you've you've made me feel really good yep. here, yep. and uh, I want to move you in. Well, let's, let's do it. Where do I sign? <laughs> so that's uh, again, that's 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 uh, you know we're joking around. Oh, by the- by the way, in, in all seriousness, there are people out there that are essentially criminals preying on individuals that own rental property to get free rent. They know what to say. They know where to get documentation. They know how to get six or eight or 10 or 12 months of free rent out of you. you it's happening all of the time. We get a lot of clients that way. Yeah. And so, you know, h- how do they do it? What are they doing, Travis? Well, imagine this environment now, again, with the stakes and where they're at with this process we're talking about with the with uh, the really the, the the federal system holding us up here on the local level in terms of evicting tenants. So uh, with that backdrop and all that anxiety, verifying this rental history, this is where I can stop that guy you're discussing. Because we really can, with a high degree of certainty, look, disclaimer, nothing's 100%, right, in, in this world. But 
with a high degree of certainty, we can verify if this tenant is telling the truth in terms of their rental history. So how do we do it? So, you know, the obvious uh, first step is you make a, you make a phone call, you do the old fashioned work, you pick up the phone, you call whoever's on the application. Now, prior to doing that, uh, while I make that phone call in front of me, I'm going to have something that's completely accessible to everybody, right? Anybody can get this. Uh, it's online. Do a search. I go to the tax records, right? So at the very minimum, at the very minimum, I want to see who's the county collect. Who does the county thinks owns this property? Who, who's writing a check for the property taxes? Okay, if that's different than the name that I see on the application, I'm going into this phone call with a little different attitude, oh, yeah. right? If they match, I'm still not checking all boxes there, but that's kind of a first. Hey, you know what? Well, these things kind of at least. I got a third party saying that this guy owns the property. So let's call this guy. All right. So I, I call this guy. Um, when I start to have that conversation, I'm looking for a few things, right? I'm looking for uh, a certainty around the fact that you are the owner. When I start asking, hey, Joe, you own 123 Bob Street. I've got an application here. You got a minute. Can I talk to you? The, they, they listed you as the landlord. Is there a long pause? Is there, you know, is what's going on after that? So I'm kind of paying attention to to what's going on. Of course, on the we phone. can look on property records to find out at least online who owns it. Yeah, yeah. So, but they may know that they may have looked that up. That's by what the I'm way. saying. Yeah, yeah. That, that, they may have matched these things up. Yeah. So this conversation becomes important. So what do I do during the conversation? You know, it's kind of. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm operating at a flunky level of a detective here. Okay, but that's frankly good enough because I can trip you up a little bit. Oh yeah. Right, I can trip you up. So somewhere in the middle of the conversation, you're telling me how great the tenant is. Now, first off, I'll tell you this from talking to hundreds of landlords about their tenants, very few trip over themselves to tell you how great the tenant is. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I mean, if I if I've got a landlord that's just, oh, they are just the crowd, they are just wonderful. Yeah, and, and they also typically don't reveal information that's not asked. So, you know, ask, ask stuff and ask in, in pretty precise manner. Hey, what did you rent it for? Let's make sure that matches up with what. Hey, uh, how long were they there? When, when did the lease start and end? I, I got, yeah, oh, exactly. I, I've got one for you. Hey, um, you know what? I've, I've misplaced my paperwork. What was the property address on that again? Like, I asked the landlord yeah, oh, somewhere yeah. in the middle of the conversation, and, yeah. and you'd be shocked. I get, uh, Oh, well, uh, you know, my wife takes care of the records. You don't, you don't know the, how many properties do you own? Yeah. How many beds and baths are that? I just want to verify. Basic information. Yeah, you start getting, yeah. You start getting a picture here. So you d do the work on that. And, and I want to give you another one that came to mind here is make sure that the tenant that you're dealing with, that you pulled credit on, that you're running all this on, is the person you're talking to. It's easy to take identities these days. Make sure you have a driver's license. Make sure you have Social Security. Again, this is what we do as professionals, but you've got to match up every piece of documentation and, 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 and visual ID that you can get to ensure that the person you're talking to is the person who's applying. That's right. Because they can use a fake identity to move in. And, and, and I, I would tell you this, on the flip side of that, when I have a real live property owner uh, and they are – hearing this, uh, hey, I'm verifying your tenant, your, your great tenant, in fact, come to find out your outstanding tenant has found a new home and they're about to move out of your property and quit paying you rent. 
That owner overwhelmingly is not super happy. This is not the guy going, they're the greatest people in the world. This is the guy going, yeah, yeah, they told me they're going to be moving. You know? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's not good. That's the way that conversation right. sounds. So I would just say that once I've checked that box and I have found a couple of landlords consecutively, and we didn't talk about this, we require 36 continuous months of excellent rental history at our company, right? That's just a standard that we hold out to be true. Uh, th- th- again, there, there's, there's common sense exceptions that, that you kind of rotate through this whole process, but you know, for the last three years, have you paid rent on time? Pretty much. Every H- how time. long do you want of, the, of their income history, their employment history? Uh, I, I would have it during that same time period. I think the last 36 months is what I would be looking for I- unless there's something unique. I mean, am I dealing with, uh, an occupation like a nurse that graduated, you know, last year, and she's now found the hospital over here in Henry County, and I have an offer letter, and all that's verified. Right, I mean, right, it's right. common sense with right, this stuff. Right. But I mean, I think I think you get a snapshot over a, a period of time, and I think it needs to be a healthy. period. And the mortgage industry also often looks at: um, Have you been in the same industry that matters for a period of time, or are you switching industries? When you look at that history, are they bouncing all over the place? Yeah. So you're, again, you're looking for someone who is seems to be consistent. And has a little bit of a plan around their life. They're they're about to be your asset that's paying your return on this property. And so let, let's don't ignore the thing. When you get those gut feelings that something's not right, it typically is not. Those require further investigation. And uh, it needs to be verified. And so it, it, the work has to be done here. This is where you cannot skip. This, the tenant screening is so super important. And there's all kinds of other ancillary things here in this process that we're doing to to ensure that, that we're getting the right person. One of those is let's don't approve the first one that comes through the door here. Let's let's give this a proper exposure so I can get, you know, 10 applications. And, and again, I know that in a uh, an individual owner world, they're never getting 10 applications. Right. It just doesn't happen because they have, they have to show it too often. They can't make it work. But in our world, we're getting an average of 10 mm-hmm. applications uh, on each property. And so it allows us to do a precursory screening where we hit the, those 10 or, or six or however many up front. We go ahead and hit the credit checks on that up front. Sure. And we can go boom, boom, boom. These are out. Now, these hit the credit check side of this. Mm-hmm. Um, there's clearly a, a couple winners here. Mm-hmm. But now we can look at the, the, the next stage, the go income deeper. and the employment verification. Yep. And, and, and we're able, we want the best of 10. Absolutely. We don't want, we don't want one of one. I mean, I, I call it cherry picking, right? So we, we want to cherry pick. I mean, I, we're, we're uh, tasked with the responsibility of finding the best tenant, not the first tenant, or not whoever was quickest to get on Zillow and, and look at the property. And I think that's a common mistake. I think that's a mistake even uh, other property managers I make kind of fall trapped to. Um, so, no, you, you want the best tenant. Uh, the idea is a long-term tenant, by the way, for us, for the type of real estate we're dealing with. Buy and hold. I don't want a tenant that I know is going to move out in six months or nine months. I mean, we didn't, like I said, there, this is an exhaustive problem. I'm going to give you one, but this is a bonus nugget okay. that we didn't talk about, Joe. All right. And this is kind of a mortgage industry uh, no-no in terms of underwriting. So this is something you would see with uh, FHA, VA type loans, um, where there is really a focus on looking at the, the whole picture. Uh, they call it payment shock. I remember hearing this when I first got in the business. I like, was payment. What's payment shock mean? Well, if if you're living in a property and the property is not within 25% of the value of the rent 
that we're trying to rent to you here for, FHA, you'd have to have really offsetting factors to overcome that in a mortgage situation. That's right. And why is that? Because even if people took the new job and they're getting an increase in rent, their entire lifestyle tends to increase along with that new job and that new income. And now they're stuck with a payment that's 40% higher than they were paying last month, and they haven't adjusted that lifestyle. And so it, right. it crashes and burns. It so does. uh what were they, even if they had perfect payment history, if they were paying nine hundred a month and we got an eighteen hundred dollar house, this is a huge jump for that household. Um, so anyway, payment shock would be a, a huge factor in, in payment shock. Those. Well, listen, uh, I think that you know there's there's more to discuss in this subject, but we're gonna keep it to about a thirty minute deal. And and uh, I, you know we we're, we're this is our first one, guys. This is our first rental property hangover podcast video cast episode and uh, you can check us out at uh the big truths of small business podcast you can google that as well and we're going to be at spotify google apple everywhere name it we're there and we are the yes i rent guys okay we're the yes i rent boys and we're going to write a song for this podcast mm. it would be unlike us not to have a original song songs coming so right now you're going to get the old uh, the old plain song here that we're going to inter- go out with. But we appreciate you watching. I think the next episode needs to talk about property condition and how that can relate back to so many things. What what's the downstream of a great property condition? That's the next episode, guys. Right. Appreciate it. See you. Well, that sounds like the Hangover. Yeah. It sounds like actually a little before the hangover. I'm all excited. Come back and see us, guys. Mm. Mm. <laughs>